Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Wonderful to see you, and um, obviously we are celebrating our nation, getting through to the semifinals of the World Cup, so thank you for the changes. If you're just joining church because you thought it was Hopper's 10, thanks for coming again, too. It is wonderful to be together. I love watching the band. I mean, sometimes as a worship leader, when there are less people in the room, it's a little bit harder, but I, I just saw rockers happening. I mean, Jerry's doing one of these with the electric, or Bunty's doing, I, I mean, no, no, that was Impele at the back there. He's doing like this forward back shimmy, and every now and again... There's, uh, I mean, we had Angela doing the salsa with the cable. I don't, know, I don't know how that cable just keeps operating. Welcome to church. If you're new to church, we get to enjoy him and we get to enjoy being together. And it is wonderful to be together. And we're in a series. This, actually, before I do that, I just want to honor and say thank you to my father-in-law, Peter, and um, Candace's dad. And I've been given many amazing things in my life, but I've been given this lady's hand in marriage was a spectacular, spectacular best gift of my life, and um, I got to ask you that. He did ask um, what I was doing with my life, and I was a corporate guy going marketing. I never said I'd be a pastor, so I apologize for that little, <laughs> but um, God had other plans, and I really do want to honor you, and thank you. This has been the greatest gift of my life, and uh, this amazing lady, and she's incredibly special, so thank you. Um, yeah. You are going to see a sign and a wonder this morning. I'm going to preach for 20 minutes. It will be a sign and a wonder, and you will leave this place saying, I've seen, I want to speak about God as a giver. God is generous, and, and, and here's what I think my job is as a preacher. I don't think my job is to tell you what to do with your time, your talents, your treasure. I don't think my job is to tell you what to do at all. My job is to preach the Word of God in a way and a manner that you see Him. That is a revelation moment that leads to something of a realization where our eyes open and we go, that's who he is. And the response to who he is, is, well, I want to be like him. We sing these songs so glibly and sometimes we don't think about the words we sing, but, but there's a song we sing, oh, to be like him, to give all I have just to know him. We sing these words. I believe my journey on this earth is not one to get the highest exposure and experiences and see every mountaintop and, and maybe every exotic beach, although I would enjoy all of those things. My greatest journey in this life is to become more like Him, my Father in heaven, to become. Jesus said, I didn't come to show you me. I came to show you Him. I came to reveal the Father to you. There's this revelation of the Father that is so important, and too many Christians spend their life holding on with policies or philosophies or principles. I'm telling you, none of principles hold unless you have a revelation of who God is. And my job as someone who gets to preach the Word of God is to preach the Word of God to you that you would see Him, that the Spirit of God would ignite Him to you. Uh, Philip cried out in John chapter 4, he, said, he had one cry, he said, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. When last did, did you hear someone pray, I've never heard my kids say, can I just have enough? Never heard that prayer. Like just enough. Especially not from my oldest. It's like, I want 17 times more and I'll hopefully land on more than what is enough. But Philip cried out some prayer that should be the cry of out, show us the Father, and that will be enough. I, if you pushed me into a corner and said, tell me the gospel in three words, I would have an answer for you. 
it would be these three words. How much more? How much more? It goes like this in Luke chapter 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more, the Father? How much more? And he gives his spirit, he gives his grace that he pours out. And it says he poured it out even before we even knew we were receiving it while we were still in, his, in brokenness, in the chaos of our decisions. He poured his grace upon our lives and touched us with his love. I believe I could sum the gospel in the how much more of his goodness and his kindness this morning. And I want to take us to a story because we're doing a series on eternity. It's called Eternity Matters. And then along with eternity, Jesus positions this thing of money and finances. And he says it's really important. They're, they're under 500 verses on faith. There's about 500 verses on prayer. There's 2,500 verses about money. Why? Because he knows that there is this tussle for man's heart, this battle, this fight, this master that cries out for your heart and my heart. But there's, from John chapter 2, I've preached the word at, at a number of different weddings. I, I love the story. What happens in John chapter 2? It's the first miracle. Most Cape Town Christians knows what happened at this wedding. What happened at that wedding? You don't have to act all, oh, I can't say wine in church. He turned water into wine. It's a pretty cool party trick if that's what you're going to do. But, but here's what's important about this incredible miracle. Is when you do theology and you study theology, there's a principle you hold to. It's called the law of first mention. When something is mentioned first in the Bible, like creation, creation comes as a precedent for all creation. And whatever is revealed later on, you always use the base of the initial mention, the first mention. It's the same when you look at something like miracles. And the very first miracle Jesus does in John chapter 2. It's an awesome miracle. It's a great party trick, but it's far more than that. It's a precedent being put in place as the law of first mention about who God is. And I just want to present something of a picture in these few moments I've got of who God is to us this morning. Here we go. John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana. I, I need to just make an announcement that I didn't make while we're in verse 1. We are baptizing people next week. If you aren't baptized, get baptized. I don't have time to do a whole theology for you, but it's an obedience. It's, a, it's an outward sign of what God has done inside. And we want to celebrate Give your name to the office. We'll give you all the details. We'll send you information, scriptures. Be baptized. Was that a good enough announcement? Back to the Bible. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan, Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? I mean, if that was me, I would have got clapped by my mom. Woman. Why do you, and that wouldn't go on well, but Jesus had a different relation with his mom. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the disciples, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for the ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tested the water that had turned to wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first 
of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to present to you something of the knowledge and the revelation that God is a generous father that leads, when we live in that, that leads to a supernatural act. We've just missed something spectacular at Milnerton Church, and I want to tell you about it because I can tell you about it now because I've known about it for a while. But a young someone in our community has got a second, they got a second car, and they decided not to sell their previous car as we've been preaching about eternity and that. And they decided, they brought it to us and said, actually, we want to give this car away, but I don't know how to give this car away or who to give it to. Who do you think we should give it to? And without them being known to anyone, the whole church finished their service about 10 minutes ago and walked outside while a man who was serving in the background didn't know what was happening. And the whole church gathered around a car that he didn't know he was being given. And he got given a car in that moment. And I just want to tell you, I tell you that story not to hype you up or say, do the same thing. I just want to tell you, I believe generosity like that releases more of heaven than we ever know. It releases the potential of heaven. It releases supernatural opportunities as communities understand that God is a giver and he is generous and kind. And when we get that, it explodes my heart to be a son who lives under the favor of his father. I want to tell you three simple points from this story of John chapter 2. The first one is a question to you. And to me. And I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus invited to your party? Simple, very simple theology. It just says this. Jesus and his disciples were invited to this party. If Jesus wasn't invited, you know what wouldn't have happened? 450 to 680 liters of water wouldn't have been turned into the finest of wines. But Jesus was invited. And because Jesus was invited, because Jesus was there, the potential of heaven, what the earth had never seen before, was here. I want to ask you a question in your life and something like your money, your finances. Is there possibility of heaven? Why? Because you've invited Jesus into it. Here's what we're really good at as humans, compartmentalizing our lives. Sunday's for Jesus, Monday's for profit. We do that. So, and we justify it. My wife and I remember being invited by a friend of mine into help their marriage scenario about 15 years ago. A story that freaked me out a little bit because we sat in the lounge and the big fight was money. The big fight was I never get to spend and, and, and the wife really wanted a kitchen. Not a bad request, eh, ladies? A nice kitchen. Some of you are nodding, some of you aren't being honest. And um, like a good kitchen where, where we can enjoy. I love the kitchen. I'm an, I'm all up for a kitchen. I love cooking. But this guy, he sat in there and there's no money. So we said, sorry, there's no money. Three weeks later, I played golf with the same brother. On a Saturday morning, I remember it clearly. I wasn't a pastor at the time. It's a long time ago. And he pitches up with some very shiny, fancy golf clubs. And I just happen to know how much golf clubs cost. And they cost a lot, like a kitchen. So I said to him, hey, those are nice. He said, yeah, yeah they're my new golf clubs. I said, that's awesome. What did your wife say about them? I know she doesn't know. They stay at work, and my old golf clubs stay at home. Now, it's a tragic story, and we laugh about it, but it's scary because it's a stinginess that releases the opposite of the breakthrough. And it's a tragic story for us because they have friends of ours who got divorced, ultimately, because of selfishness and pride at the end of the day. I would boil it down. And God wants to get into the, our compartmentalize. Well, Jesus, you can have my emotional health. You can have my happy days. 
You can have my hashtag breakthrough, Bunty was awesome at worship the next day, hopeless, hopeless. No, Jesus wants all of us. That's why when we get baptized, like those who aren't baptized, we're baptized next week. We get baptized all in. I I wish everyone would just get baptized with their wallet, their watch, their time, their talents, their treasures, junk it all in. The first time we did a baptism here, I got in the pool. I horrified everyone. It was a fake wallet, but I took it in anyway. A wallet, watch, cell phone, everything in. Why? Because I need all of Jesus on everything. Because everything that's not touched by Jesus, what remains is me. And I don't represent the Father well on my own. I don't have good enough principles to hold me. I just have a revelation of who God is. And I give it my best shot. And I want to tell you that at this wedding, Jesus puts a, says, Jesus got invited because Jesus got invited. You know what happened? A miracle. I want to see a miracle. I want to see a breakthrough. I want to see God turn it for good. I want to see everything we sing on Sundays in life. I want to see the man who I prayed for after the first service who needs his pancreas removed because of cancer. I want to see it healed because the Bible says God is a healer. You know what unlocks that? Generosity. But number one, inviting Jesus to your party. Number two, I want to tell you that Jesus always gives his best. It says that they ran out of wine, he turned water into wine, and then the the master of the banquet comes and he drinks the wine and says, "Mm, this is the best wine. Like the best wine. Why save the best wine for last? The most expensive bottle of wine ever sold, 558,000 US dollars for one bottle of wine of this earth. Imagine you took that value, because that's the best the earth knows, and you multiply it by the volume of the best wine that only Jesus can make. I reckon Jesus would be a pretty good winemaker. Anyone agree? Like, I, I think he makes good things. How good would his wine be? What value would that be? And he comes into this couple. And you know what's amazing about this story? If you understand the context of the day. If Jesus hadn't done what he'd done, they would have left that place embarrassed. This is why. In those days, the, the measure and the merit of a good wedding and everything that's going to come would be the feast that would happen. And everyone would contribute to the feast. And if they ran out of wine at their wedding, it is an embarrassment on the couple. And a sign actually, a symbol that it's not going to go so good. But here's what's amazing when you understand the context too. They didn't bring gifts. They didn't have wedding registries at, at home or clicks. Or I don't know where you have wedding registries these days. Clicks was a little boring. Some of the unmarried like, never clicks. <laughs> They've just judged me right now. And, um, but, but what would happen is they would party for a day or two, three days, the whole community. And then everything that was left over would then be sold to the community and to those who would purchase the food. And the money that was raised would be given to the young couple to set them up for their marriage. There was no big weddings. There was, there was no gifts from parents. That was the gift. It was the wine. And what's the most valuable thing that can be sold after a wedding? It's the wine. And Jesus comes in and does a miracle because they invited them into his, their story. He turns water of little value, unless you live in Cape Town, And he turns it into the finest of wines. He says, here, I want to take all your anxieties away. I want to take all your fears away. He puts a precedent at the law of first mention into place for us today. As we read of a story of a wedding, whether you have a wedding coming up, Crystal, on the 22nd of November. And you're saying, God, I don't know if we have enough. 
Not forget the money, oh, yeah, resources, love, time, emotions to invest to make this marriage great. Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to fill it up with water that turns to wine and I'm going to give you more than abundantly you could understand or imagine. The third point is simple out of that is abundance is his way. You see, we struggle. We live in a world of lack. We live in a world of lack because our cycles are spend, consume, lack, get anxious and carry on. Jesus says, I want to pull you into my cycle, which is actually so seed that bears fruit. And trust me, and we learn to trust him in a cycle that is different to the way of the world. The Bible tells us through a precedent of the very first miracle God does, that God's way, his character, is one of abundance. You see, I'm a, I'm a father of this earth. I struggle. I, I, my kids, Judah's already telling me what he wants for his birthday next year. He hasn't even had his birthday this year yet. I, I struggle because I know I have lacking resources in part, but I'm coming to a father, a father who the Bible shows me, says actually he covers over my shame and guilt. Not just that he provides, where I didn't even ask if I just invite him into the story. See, John 2 puts a precedent in place that God is a generous and lavish God. And it has this implication for my life. If I truly believe that that's who God is, do I become more and more like Him? The word and the challenge is not, do I just become crazy and run around like a madman, give all my clothes away? Or my, no, no, but with wisdom and navigating life in an area where there is a battle for my heart called money. Because Jesus clearly says he's teaching his people in Matthew 6, and he's teaching them about, actually, you can't serve two masters. And then he finishes off with a very direct statement. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. He doesn't say you can't serve rugby and money or rugby and God, although those are all idols too. He chooses that one. He speaks into that again. Why? Because there's a grip for your heart and my heart ongoingly every day in every circumstance and every situation. And we can vacillate very quickly from pioneering faith. We trust God to, oh, I don't know anymore, very quickly. He says, I want you to get the word, and I need you to get a revelation. Because the revelation brings the realization that in God, he's abundantly more. Because his character has been shown us in the word. And I want to, Psalm 112, I won't be able to work through the whole psalm. Is this incredible psalm of what it looks like to live a blessed life. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delights in His commands. And then it carries on. It says, their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns upon the upright, for the upright. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. There's all these promises. But then in verse 9, there's this incredible description of a breast of, hmm. yes, I did mispronounce that word. It's getting exciting. Ex <laughs> it's been a quick Sunday morning here. Verse 9, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. This is the description of what a blessed life looks like. So I've seen many descriptions of blessed life, hashtag blessed life bank, and it must be a Mercedes and it must be big. No, I don't think that's what a blessed look, life looks like. I've got to look at the word and allow the word to fashion what a blessed life looks like. And this one, this amazing thing, that word there, he, he have freely scattered their gifts. The word gifts there 
is translated differently to most of the time that other translations say he gives freely. It comes from a Hebrew word, and the direct translation is pawzar, P-A-W hyphen Z-A-R. And it has implications for our generosity because this word gives means this. It means to scatter, to disperse, to throw it out there almost excessively, almost brashly. It says a blessed life looks like someone who understands who their God is and partakes in generosity almost brashly. Like you need it here. It's offensive to the world. It's shocking to people. Yes, the Bible does say don't show everyone your wealth. So it's not about, actually, I love the fact that the person who's giving the car away or has given the car away, no one needs to know. No one needs to know. Brought it to the church. Who needs a car in this community because this is my family? Actually, we'll give it away. Serviced, new tires, a great car. I would love that car. It's awesome. It looks more like heaven than earth because it's so foreign. But I love this word. It used to freely give to the poor, to freely. See, it's a word that is often used. This word, however you say it, is used most of the time in regard to sexuality in the Bible. It says freely given away sexuality. Why? Because too often in the world, we get things flipped on the head that in the world, God's calling us to be stingy with our sexuality and generous with our finances. We live in a world that's generous with their sexuality and stingy with their finances. It says, I need to flip it on its head, and I'm going to do that by showing you who God the Father is. He's someone who breaks into a young couple's biggest moment of their life where shame and guilt could have come upon them because they didn't have the resources, but Jesus was invited. Maybe the question this morning, is Jesus invited? Because if Jesus is invited, then he's calling you to be like him, the Father, who when he sows seed, isn't a miserly farmer going, I'd like one tree in this field and pushes the seed down and says, done my sowing job for the day. The description is almost brashly, almost excessively sowing and then trusting the nature of God on the other side of that sowing. And when we trust the nature of God, you know what happens? We're inviting Jesus into our story, whether it is a wedding, whether it is a future for your children, whether it is a future for your career, whether it is a financial dream on your story, or just the time, talents, and treasures in your story. You invite him in. You know what becomes possible? Things that are only possible in heaven, like men with pancreases who need to be healing, get to get healed. Like men who've, and women who've poured out their lives to serve and serve their children and can't afford a nice car to receive something as a gift with no strings attached. Looks like heaven. Why? Because I want to be like him. And so my prayer for you today and my job today is not to tell you how to live your life, how to make decisions. My job is to help I trust with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Show you the Father. Because I promise you, all the money in the world, all the opportunities in the world, cannot give what He brings. Security. I love that Psalm 112. It says, They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. Who wants that to be the description of your life? I, I, I want that. Bad news comes, mm, Jesus got this. Word comes from the world, the news, News 24, that should shake me, that should rattle me, that should bring a rolling to my story. No, I am secure 
in the character and the nature because my God did a miracle. And he, in, this, in that miracle, he put a precedent. He said, I'm going to show you who I am. Can we stand? To sing the national anthem. No, I'm joking. Oh, I love what I do. But I, I would ask that you would pray a simple prayer this morning. What Philip cried out in John, book of John. Can you close your eyes just for a sec? Will you pray this after me? If, if you want to see him, I'm going to tell you it might change some things. Some of your ways, some of your learnings, it's going to change some things. But I believe it will bring joy in life. Will you pray? Spirit of God, show me the Father, and that will be enough for me. Just one more time. Spirit of God, show me the Father, and that will be enough for me. I pray for every person here this morning, God. Bring freedom and life and joy by a revelation of our Father in heaven. The fathers of this earth, though they are evil, can give good gifts. How much more? How much more? I pray the how much more over the anxious this morning. I pray the how much more over the insecure in this place this morning. I pray how much more over the depressed this morning. I pray the how much more of the glorious Father today. We worship you, God. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. We love you, King. Amen. What a privilege. I'm going to ask if you haven't made a decision to worship Jesus or you want someone to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you up front here afterwards. If you're new to the life of church, Emmanuel will meet you at Guest Central. And if someone dragged you to church this morning because there's rugby on a very cool big screen, it's awesome to have you. Please don't rush off. We're going to watch rugby together. We're going to enjoy community. Some of the guys who you stand with or next to at church sometimes and their hands on their pockets often at church during worship, just watch them watch rugby. I challenge you. Don't rush off. Enjoy this moment. We love you. And allow God to reveal himself to you. Have an amazing week.